Welcome to Keep It 2000, a joke that turned into a wrestling podcast that has revealed itself to be a psychological experiment. We are proudly part of the post-wrestling family. I am Brian Mann, and joining me is my fellow test subject, Nate Milton. Um, Nate, I gotta say, I'm, I'm pretty torn about this week's episode because it, it gave us both uh, three Lance Storm matches, but this was the return to form of one Vince Russo. Uh, I'm so glad I got you here to to hold my hand through this because this episode fucking sucked. And I got to say, this might have been the most difficult episode we've watched so far, at least for me. There's a reason they call it the dog days of summer, brother. I have no idea what time it is in 2018, what month, what week, what day. But in WCW Satellite of Hate Time, we are in the midst of the doldrums of summer. And so, uh, yes, I'm glad I'm here to, to hold your hand on this journey on the universe's favorite interracial, cross-generational, pop culture, pro wrestling show dedicated to the genius of one Vincent James Russo. Now, Nate, I, I just realized, because you, you, you give that same intro every week, and I realized that the reason why we probably have not received the scorn of the Vince Russo army yet might be because you say genius, and they are incapable of understanding irony or sarcasm <laughs> or tone. And so, uh, who knows? Maybe people think we've actually been praising this man for uh, 30 episodes now. Listen, bro, leave that show alone. Every week, the guy comes in. He says, I'm a genius, bro. <laughs> we we, we got to get him on the show, bro. Russo <laughs> only gets two minutes into every episode and then turns it off. That's all he needs to hear. Well, uh, there will be no mincing words. This episode was terrible, and and here to help us uh, take this to task, uh, this week's test subject. She is a comedian and a podcast co-host in her own right of WrestleSplania and What a Time to Be Alive. Kath Barbadoro is here. I know I fucking fucked Not that bad. up. Not bad. You didn't fuck it up that bad. <laughs> Barbadoro. Barbadoro. You, you got everything except the last letter. Ah, uh, there we go. Well, uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sitting through this episode. I Yeah, normally when I go on someone's podcast, I say thank you for having me, but I'm just going to say you're welcome for I, watching this piece of garbage. I text, I, I like, I reached out and I apologized. <laughs> I got like 10 minutes into this thing and I was like, oh, fuck. I feel so bad for asking someone to go through this. But thank uh, you for being here. Of course, um, of course. No, thank you for having me. This was a this was an experience for sure. And and before we get into where you were at in the year two thousand, uh, I just want to I, I want to chat a little bit about Russell Spania because it's such a, a a fun show, such a unique show. Thank you. And 
it's very hard to find a unique voice in wrestling podcasts. It's a lot of the same thing. It's a lot of mm-hmm. people who are talking about what happened on TV this week or an interview or, or something or, or you know, two dudes Skyping talking about a show no one cares about from 18 <laughs> years ago. Uh, but, yeah, uh, let, I just want to talk a little bit about your show and kind of what the premise is and, and everything. Yeah, so um, our show, WrestleSplania, I do with uh, my co-host, Rachel Millman, and um, it's... Basically, I'm a relatively new wrestling fan, but I'm super into it. And uh, Rachel was sort of curious about wrestling. And the premise of the podcast is that I am explaining Mm -hmm. wrestling to her and introducing her to the world of professional wrestling. So we do, we kind of try to do everything. We do uh, indie stuff. We do New Japan. We do WWE. We kind of try to have a pretty broad spectrum of what we Mm -hmm. cover. The main thing is just me telling Rachel about stuff I like. Right. So it's really fun. It's, it's a, I agree. I think it's kind of a nice departure from like, we don't do match ratings. We don't mm-hmm. do recaps. We, and we don't even really talk super critically. We really just only talk about stuff we actually right. enjoy. One of the things that I really like as well is that Rachel, cause I, there have been some shows like this where it's like, Hey, a fan and someone who doesn't really know. Yeah, yeah. The thing that I like is that Rachel is an enthusiastic beginner. She's not one of these people who's like on the fence, like, yeah, but you know, it's fake and you're trying to convince them. Right. (laughs) Uh, She's enthusiastic. It's just, she's a novice. And, and, and that's a really, and and of course you guys are both very funny as well. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, she was a very easy sell. She Mm -hmm. like, she really wants to like it. And, uh, it was. I feel like we started this podcast at like a yeah. really good time because there's so much cool stuff going on in wrestling now. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. We try to be funny. Um, we're starting to get uh, guests on, so that's cool. We had um, Stokely Hathaway on mm-hmm. recently. Um, hopefully, by the time this comes out, we will have more guests too. But um, yeah, it's weekly, and we're at, at at this recording. I think we have eight episodes out now, and people have been really. Uh, enthusiastic about it so it's really fun well if you ever decide you want to kill the podcast just show <laughs> rachel an episode of nitro from the year 2000 and i'm sure the enthusiasm will be cut off <laughs> that's the thing is like right now since we're early in the podcast i'm only showing her stuff I, stuff mm-hmm. i like but i feel like once she is on board totally yeah. then we can get into like dude check this out <laughs> like let's hate watch some shit now because there's so much to like about wrestling but there's also so much to hate watch and it is almost mm. just Almost equally as fun. So, the way we like to set things up before we get you plugged into this nitro machine and and get your (laughs) reactions and we can check your vitals and all that good stuff, we need to know where you were at in the year 2000. You know, Brian and I were both dedicated to WCW for some damn reason. Uh, (laughs) But I'm wondering where you were, you know, in in terms of your wrestling fandom, if at all, in the year 2000. Yeah, um, I was 12 in the year 2000, and um, I was not a wrestling fan whatsoever. Um, I I'm a very I, I think I'm a really weird guest for you to have on the show because <laughs> I, I'm like a strange control subject because I am super into wrestling now, and I'm mm. very very knowledgeable about the current wrestling world, and I think I am have a pretty good understanding of. Um, the sort of art form of wrestling and and how it's put together and everything. But I am basically completely ignorant of anything that happened before like 
2014. So, like, all of this is new to me. I have never watched uh, this before. I've, I, you know, I've watched like the occasional old match on YouTube or mm-hmm. whatever if somebody recommends it. But I'm, I'm very ignorant of this stuff. So I'm coming in like completely right at zero, pretty much. Um, mm. Yeah. So. This was this was a trip. This is a real trip. Well, I think also, as you'll see when we talk about this particular episode, it was very tough to be uh, a female wrestling fan before about two or three years ago. Well, that's, <laughs> and that's like something that I kind of wanted to talk about. It was about a pretty toxic too. point of view. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's funny because, you know, like I come to this later in life. I was not mm-hmm. a fan as a child. And so many wrestling fans I know look at this era of wrestling with such nostalgia. Right. And even the good Attitude Era stuff... I know I wouldn't have been a fan then. And yeah. if I were exactly me, 29-year-old Kath Barbadoro, when that was mm-hmm. on the air, I absolutely wouldn't have been a fan. Well, and that's the interesting mm. thing that, you know, Nate and I are going through here now. Vince Russo has come from WCW to, uh, to uh, from WWE to WCW. Mm-hmm. And so WCW is starting to become a very second-rate version of that sort of... Because I, I, at the time, I wasn't an Attitude Era fan. Yeah. I was a Nitro fan because... Yeah. And, and Nate, you can speak to this too. When Nitro was... I mean, when WCW was doing you know, the, the the very shocking storylines and, and the nudity and the profanity and, and hyping up the sexuality and everything. Nitro wasn't going in that direction. Yeah, it was and like so, old dads working hard. Yeah, and I, I, I always <laughs> liked that that look. And I remember, like, this is one of the lamest things I've ever um, uh, admitted. I wrote in, like, my journal, like, the top ten reasons why, why WCW is better than Aww. WWF. And one of the ones <laughs> on there was, like, like I... <laughs> Give me a minute. One of the reads on there is like, the two most repeated words are who's next, not suck it. Because I thought that was like <laughs> so lame. And I was like, I just thought that was like this like weird perverse thing that I didn't want a part of. And, and right. maybe, maybe if I had been two years uh, older, because I would have been about 12, 13 at, the same, at this yeah. time. If I had been maybe 13, 14, that would have appealed it to me. Cool, but it didn't. Yeah. I just thought that it was actually really kind of lame. And so at this time when WCW is trying to do the thing that WWE has actually moved on from. Like yeah, 2000 this is WCW, yeah. you got yep. Kurt Angle, you got the, mm-hmm. uh, the you know, all the, the, uh, the radicals switch over. But WCW is just now starting to do that lame thing. Because Attitude Era, WWF, the matches are shit and there's homophobia, there's racism, there's sexism. And now all that stuff is happening in WCW. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it's like the generic version of right. the brand name of homophobia you're the, and racism. You're getting the worst version of the worst. <laughs> you're getting the Kirkland's version yeah. of, of WWF. <laughs> and it is like, and, you know, to be fair, like most people I know who are, are were really into that acknowledge that, like, yes. it's pretty, it's a rough rewatch. Even yeah. that stuff is like a rough rewatch. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's, it's just interesting because it's amazing how much you forget when yeah. you are watching something of that in mm-hmm. that time and then you go back and watch it later. Like I just remember um, when they put like Friends on Netflix yeah. and everybody rewatched Friends all at once. And everyone was like, oh my God, Friends is really homophobic. Right. And you don't mm. even see it at the time because it's just, it's baked into everything mm-hmm. in the world. Well, and I'm watching, uh, rewatching Arrested Development right now and there's a lot of, I, I wouldn't necessarily say, uh, homophobia, but there's certainly a lot of gay jokes yeah. and a lot of material that you just couldn't do now. A lot of right. stuff on that show, even though it is very smart and intelligent, and I don't think is making fun of those topics. Even just going near those topics, right? You, you can't necessarily do. And at the time, it, it doesn't even necessarily read as controversial. Right. And I think I, I'd be interested to to know like what, like I know this was seen as edgy at the time, 
But was it seen as controversial? I mean, what do you, what do you think, Nate? I mean, for me, like when W when WWE did it, it was controversial. But by the time WCW, it doing wasn't it, even edgy anymore. No one's caring. <laughs> yeah, no one gives a yeah. shit. Well. Two things. First of all, thank you for giving the listeners the visual of a 12-year-old little brother man uh, <laughs> typing on his on his on his computer. A la Doogie Howser. It was handwritten. Thank you very much. It was handwritten. Dead diary. Today Goldberg turned heel. I don't know what to think I was anymore. Going D- David E. Hel- David E. Kelly style, long form over here. <laughs> uh, but you know, when you talk about the the comparison between Nitro in 2000 and the Attitude Era, I think. There's a big difference in that, yes, both had the homos- the homophobic stuff, both had the misogynistic stuff, both had the racial stuff, but the WWE also had The Rock and Stone yeah. Cold right. and Triple H and <laughs> Taker. And they had storylines that transcended the muck, if yeah. you will, whereas this stuff on Nitro two years later is stuck in the muck because they haven't allowed their stars to rise above this stuff. You know, we've talked for weeks, Brian, about Goldberg and the presentation of him and how he just feels flat right now. Uh, a guy like Booker T, your new champ, mm-hmm. he's not presented as a star. And mm-hmm. so when you do all the over-the-top sexist stuff or the over-the-top uh, violence or the over-the-top gay jokes, it doesn't have a counterbalance. And I think that's why Vince Russo here, without the filter and without all those great talents he had in the WWE – feels so dirty you yeah. know when you're watching this and not dirty in a fun exciting edgy way well and the thing that a lot of people always say with vince russo is like oh vince russo is good with an editor when he's got mm. when he's got vince around to balance him and i don't necessarily think that's true i think he's <laughs> an interesting provocateur and writer but he's certainly not a head writer he doesn't know how to actually put a show together he doesn't know how to uh manage a script he doesn't know how to direct he doesn't know how to produce and that really shines through here. Like, he, yeah. he might be good at coming up with, like, these very large characters, but when it comes to building long-term storylines for them or knowing how to properly... No, he's just totally clueless when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, like, something I noticed in the show that I wrote down was just that um, the pacing was so weird. Yes. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, just that kind of thing of, like, not even talking about wrestling, but just talking about entertainment or putting a television program yeah. together. There's... There's no thought. Oh no, and there's there's just basic logic uh, <laughs> in this episode that, that's offensive. But listen, before we get to the episode, we don't wanna, we don't wanna jump the gun. Let's set the stage. We know where we were all at in 2000. Let's see the world was at. Nate, we're gonna take a look at the rock charts the day of this nitro. Mm. And I mean, not only was this a huge day for for music, this was also a huge day for wrestling music because the day of this nitro, the number one rock song in America was. With arms wide open by Creed, Creed's first number one hit. <laughs> oh my gosh! If I'm not mistaken, Creed was still out and proud as a Christian band at this point, who just happened to cross over. I believe so. Yes. And this would have—they would of course become WWE's favorite band until uh, Limp Bizkit would take away that title, <laughs> and then they would lose that title to Kid Rock, who has proudly defended yes. it for the last 15 years. <laughs> uh, but yeah, at this point. Um, I mean, I gotta be probably. I'm 12, 13. I, I mean, I, I I was down with this song. I, I mean, Korean at the time, Creed. it's tough to turn your back on. <laughs> I mean, let, let, let's get the positives out of the way because you know my <laughs> man Chad. Chad's got a good voice. Like you know, you can't take that away from him. Dude's got a strong voice. He's got a strong presence. One of my favorite songs ever for from a movie is uh, that hero song he did with. Uh, 
And I've got a story from, about that song uh, in a second. The, oh, see, I, I love that song with Spider-Man. And just, a hero can save us. But we're not talking about that song right now. We're talking about <laughs> with arms wide open. Uh, I, I think the, the problem with Creed. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us. The Singular. problem with Creed is I think it was a matter of, in wrestling terms, they got the push too soon. <laughs> and, like, like this in, in a vacuum with arms wide open, yeah, that's a good song. Mm-hmm. And it gets you all emotional. He's talking about his little son. And, yes, go ahead, sing me a little boy. But if I have to hear this song, and this is back when radio was still a big deal, you know. Uh, and so when I, if I have to hear this song five times an hour, I'm going to like this song a lot less in a week. Yeah. <laughs> and even less in a month. And so I think, man, people just got tired of it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. I, I think I know exactly where I was when this episode aired. Now yeah. that I'm thinking about Creed being, I was at YMCA All Girls Summer Camp. Okay. And I remember mm. even there, even in the, the probably the place you would least expect to find mm-hmm. Creed, Creed was playing. Well, and that's the thing that Nate and I have just, again, because this is also just a time capsule to a different time period where you could force a song to be number one, but also every single song that we've done on this podcast, pretty much, we know the song. Yeah. Whereas today, I venture you could go weeks without knowing the number one song is because people don't listen to music anymore. Yeah, uh, not on it, the radio, for not sure. On the, it's, it's, it's not a centralized thing. Yeah. Um, whereas this was a time period where we all kind of came together, and even if we hated the song, like we're right now, we're, we're talking shit about Creed, we all share that experience. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, I guarantee you, in like five you know, five, ten years, not everyone's necessarily going to remember, like, oh, we weren't all necessarily listening to Finesse by Bruno Mars at the same time. Right. You know, it's like, oh, the people I liked was. him. Like, I mean, I, I like the song. You know, it was, it was playing at the office today. Um, but uh, You mean in, in five years when, when Cardi B is the president? Yeah, we'll all remember because she'll change the national anthem to Finesse. We've waited long enough. Let's go ahead and jump in to this week's episode of Nitro. Our show begins with a package recapping Scott Steiner's path of destruction over the past week. The package ends with Scott Hudson saying that in any other line of work, Scott Steiner would be in prison. However, (laughs) WCW has merely suspended him. Uh, Nate, I'm not going to call this the second coming of recap packages, but I at least appreciate that WCW, they're pumping the brakes, they're taking some time to remind us that an important angle happened. It should also be pointed out that Vince Russo is back. He is writing the show again, so I'm going to assume that someone else made this video package before he came, and he was forced to play it because this might have been the high point of the episode, <laughs> this recap package of the previous week's uh, story. Yeah, I'm a big fan of recap packages, man, because whether you're talking about a serialized show, uh, like the the superhero shows on the CW or Scandal or you know anything like that, 24 like I like to be brought back into the world because I haven't been here in a week. And even if it's not a nice place to visit, uh, and I'm not talking about Detroit, I'm talking about the world of Vince Russo. <laughs> even if it's not a nice place to visit, I need to be caught up and reminded of, okay, this is where we left things off last time. So props to uh, the, the, I'm sure it was Palumbo and O'Hare in the <laughs> editing suite uh, in the chair. putting this together. So uh, shout, shout out to uh, Palumbo. <laughs> And uh, uh, what, did you have any thoughts on the video package? Yeah, I did. I also, I'm a big fan of r- recap uh, packages. I That's like one thing that um, I really, really love in WWE, mm-hmm. like compared to most other modern stuff that doesn't really get the luxury of, of doing right. like recap and promo packages and stuff. Um, 
I think there's such an art to it, and when they're done well, it's so cool. Yeah. And this one was done pretty fucking well, especially compared to the rest of the episode. Well, and that's a major reason why I don't watch weekly television, uh, the WWE does. Because their recap packages are so good. They're so good. And, and the, the three-hour show, I'd say, that's the raw footage. Like, that yeah. was just them on set, <laughs> and I'm going to watch the edited package when it's, all, when it's all done. Right. That is that is a good way to look at it. And I, I think, like, if people, again, like, because my podcast is about getting somebody new into mm-hmm. wrestling... I think if people realize that, that they would probably watch more, that like they do bring you up to speed very well. The interesting thing about this to me, as someone who is mostly watching current WWE, and that's like the thing that I compare this to the most, mm-hmm. um, it was weird to hear a voiceover in the package. Yeah, because WWE does not do that. Yeah, so that was like kind of, I don't want to say jarring, but mm-hmm. I definitely noticed it and thought it was weird, but also enjoyed it because... Like you were saying, the stuff that the voiceover was saying was really funny. Yeah. About like, this man should be in prison, but because it's wrestling, he's yeah. just As allowed to Any other walk of car. life, and it's like, okay, being a wrestling does <laughs> yeah. not exclude you from laws. Exactly. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. The show proper starts with Scott Steiner smashing Booker T's car with a lead pipe outside the arena. Even worse news from the Huffman family, though, Booker T's brother, Stevie Ray, is now on commentary. Um, I know a lot of people, they like to shit on, uh, on Booker's commentary. Well, people are split. Some people like him, some people don't. But we can all agree that Stevie Ray fucking sucks, right? Like, Not a fan. Can we? Ah, uh, Nate. Can we? Nate. Don't tell me this. Don't rip my heart out. Listen, he wasn't on much of this episode, but we're going to have months of this man down the line. Don't tell me. Don't tell me we're going to fight about this every day. I, 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 I won't say Stevie Ray's great, but I would say... Out of the, uh, the 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 musical chairs that we had with our announcers this week, I would have rather we got a team of Shivani, Hudson, and, and Stevie, and kick Madden to the curb. Well, Hudson was sick, unfortunately, this week apparently. Um, but because no, Steve, I mean, Stevie doesn't add a lot, but at least he's Stevie's not making juvenile sexual jokes like Mark Madden. Yeah, but I find Madden's easier to tune out. Maybe just because I'm, I'm more used to him, <laughs> my my brain has adapted to ignore his frequencies, and I just haven't uh, evolved yet to to uh, to force out Stevie yet. The thing I respected about Madden, as someone who's never seen this before, is yeah. like, yeah, he's like disgusting, mm-hmm. but he also is literally physically disgusting yes. too. So it, he it commits works. to the gimmick. He totally commits to the gimmick. He's wearing like the worst shirt. Mm-hmm. He's wearing sunglasses inside. Right. He's gross. So I would appreciate. He's really leaning into it. I would appreciate if Jerry Lawler showed that kind of commitment to his yeah. to his disgustingness. I agree. He I dyes agree. his hair. He tries to dress like he's twenty five. If instead he just let it go, I I, I would respect. A little if you're more. a gross old man, just be a gross old man. So uh, speaking of brothers, Rick Steiner uh, comes in and calms down Scott, and the two then walk into the building. We then go inside the Palace of Auburn Hills uh, in Michigan uh, for a special Tuesday night edition of Nitro. As we uh, discussed last week, uh, the show what, what it was some it was Judgment at Nuremberg, I believe, was the miniseries that was preempting Nitro this week. Uh, on commentary, we have Stevie Ray, Tony Schiavone, and Mark Madden. Fucking Nate. We're getting Mark and Stevie. Uh, apparently, Scott Hudson is sick. The Nitro girls are then shown dancing on stage until the cat's music plays and all the women escort him to the ring. Are they, Brian? This uh, Nitro Girls 3.0, whatever mock we're on now, is, is who is on stage. So these women forget what their profession is, and they all just walk the cat to the ring. 
Uh, Nitro then channels Raw, and we get a 20-minute just talking segment here to start. (laughs) The Cat announces a one-night tournament for the vacant U.S. title. The first round will be Canyon versus Mike Awesome, Vampiro versus Great Muda, Franchise versus Billy Kidman, and Buff Bagwell versus Lance Storm. Uh, Let's take a pause in the promo here and just sort of talk about this. Uh, Nate... I had been looking forward to this episode because I had been uh, incorrectly informed by John Pollock that this was a good episode of Nitro uh, because of the one-night tournament structure. And I thought maybe, I mean, Vince Russo can usually do well if he has his hands tied and he's forced into uh, a corner. Uh, And and I was hoping that the tournament structure would do that. But Nate, when you sort of heard these matches, what was your initial, uh, I guess, reaction? Honestly, I I was not quite despondent yet at this point of the show uh you know because like you said there's there's a form around the show there's structure it's like russo's playing uh, on the bowling alley with the little kitty bumpers yeah so it's like even if he throws it uh askew to the right or askew to the left the bumpers will get him back on track eventually he's gotta get to the pins uh so yeah i was i was like okay okay we're, we've got a tournament uh we will probably have at least one or two maybe good matches out of these uh pairings uh so, yeah, other than the great value Nitro girls that they tried to pass off <laughs> on, uh, on this show, uh, I, I, I was pleased with this first segment. Cause like, I'm, just, I'm sitting here looking, Brian, and I, I know I'm not crazy, but it's like they just got all the – except for Shay. Shay's still there. She, she's yeah. a diehard. Everybody else was just like, they like, okay, we lost a redhead. Let's get a redhead. We lost a black <laughs> chick. Let's get a black chick. We need a blonde. Let's get a blonde. It's like, you can't fool me. Well, because all the all the talented Nitro girls have like been drafted up. Tigress is out. Uh, Charmel is yeah. out. Uh, Kimberly is out. Uh, I guess Whisper is about to go marry uh, Shawn Michaels. She's going to be out yeah. in a little bit. Uh, Kat, did, did did any of these names ring? That, were you aware? No, uh, ha, ha, you, these no. are all foreign names. These are all foreign names. Um, I, I it's that's interesting to hear you say these were like the generic Nitro girls. Yeah. I I did not. I I think that this actually this segment really helped set the tone for what was going to come for me <laughs> as a just as someone who is not familiar with this era of wrestling because it's like okay you have just gratuitous like TNA just yeah. women in skimpy outfits then you have uh, this like gross dude named the cat who comes out to like <laughs> like. The elevator music version of, like, yeah. a New Orleans brass band. To be fair, that is the WCW... That is the WWE Network replacement of his original Okay, theme. fair enough, fair enough. His original theme sounded too much like James Brown. They legally had to change. Okay, okay. Well, now that I know... Okay, it, it did sound like a sound A lot of like the music that is bad on this show... Is the replacement for exactly. copyright. Got it. Um, okay, well then... But, like, honestly, I kind of enjoyed it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I like uh, just a gross... Guy who comes out to James Brown and dances and is yeah. sleazy and, you know, doing real obvious heel stuff and, you know, talking about all the fat fans. And right. Like, you know, yeah, it's gross. Uh, but I, I feel like it, again, set the tone for, like, this is kind of your... This is not maybe the most, like, above-board, right. uh, super successful company at the moment. <laughs> but so are there the, – the Nitro Girls, are they on every episode? There are ones no, that people know? No, we haven't know? seen them for months. It, oh, really? They were a staple yeah. of WCW. When WCW was – especially when Nitro was three hours long, mm-hmm. they'd come out, and it was more of a cheerleader segment. And Got it. I, at the time, had appreciated it because it helped give the show more of a sports feel. Yeah. And it was something that differentiated it from WWE. Mm-hmm. And now – 
it's been months since we've seen them. They're only out here because they're eventually going to escort the cat out. Right. I might have been wrong. I think they were still being used during commercial breaks and before the uh-huh. uh, the show, but this is the first time we've seen them on camera in a while. So, and and you know their names. Like, was that part of WCW? or is They that had just... trading cards. They okay. had they, they were given profiles in the magazine. They okay. definitely were given personalities. And yeah, so these like people... the, the, the original incarnation was kind of like the Spice Girls, where you mm-hmm. had, like, different archetypes. Got like, it. you had the, the, the sporty girl, and you had the, the, the <laughs> pretty girl and the girly girl and then you had you know the the i'm, I'm the gymnast yeah. and then i'm the ballet dancer uh-huh. and i'm the asian girl because we can't think of a good character for me yeah i'm the korean was uh, her whole thing <laughs> <laughs> so and and a lot of these women went on to actually just become regular women's wrestlers they or? got elevated probably past where they should have been Fair as enough. performers <laughs> Fair um, enough. but that's because vince russo only pushes women based <laughs> on their look and that's right, it right. and whatever so uh you mentioned it the cat uh then announces that he he has some uh, some rules for the audience tonight. Number one, he doesn't want the crowd talking too much during the show. Uh, I guess he wants more of a New Japan feel for Nitro tonight. And then he wants the fat people in the front row to sit down and not block people's views. Uh, he's going for just the cheapest heat imaginable here, but the audience doesn't give a shit. Uh, in the back, Scott Steiner destroys a monitor and makes his way to the ring. As Steiner makes his entrance, the Nitro girls flee the ring. Steiner then chokes the cat on the mat and demands a title shot. This, of course, gets a huge pop because Miller just cut a heel promo and Steiner is the hometown hero in Michigan. (laughs) Booker T then runs down and beats up on Steiner, which the audience boos because, of course, they are because Steiner has been booked like a babyface. Rick Steiner then comes in and the Steiners double-team Booker. Stevie then gets off commentary and jumps in the ring to help his brother. The ring then fills with security, holding all these men apart. The cat gets on the mic and says that Steiner will not get a title shot tonight, but he will instead face Goldberg. Russo is back with a vengeance, guys. Uh, a million <laughs> things fucking happened, and none of them mattered in the ring. Uh, nope. Why could we not just get the Steiners versus Harlem Heat as our main event? These are two legendary teams reuniting. They haven't teamed together in years. But no, we're going to get Big Papa Pump, who is apparently a heel, but is booked to be a face, <laughs> facing Goldberg, who is supposed to be a heel as well. Uh, this segment made no fucking sense. I thought the the pull apart looked nice. I thought it was yeah. like a cool angle, but it didn't lead to anything. It's like he microwaved a cake, Brian. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know your culinary expertise, but you know you you gotta let let the cake sit in the oven for a while and bake. Uh, but Vince just threw all the ingredients in the microwave and, and hit the 10-minute the timer, and this is what we got. Because you're right, there's some elements in here that could be cool. You know, you got these two legendary tag teams from WCW's mm-hmm. history. You've got Stevie Ray, you know, coming in to, to aid his brother. You've got our world champion, who is the biggest afterthought in this entire segment. <laughs> he didn't speak uh, once. Yeah, didn't speak once. Like, I think there there's some ingredients here for something cool but there was not a lot of thought put into how we want to set up these pieces and get people to stay tuned for the show yeah i had the same sort of impression where i was like i like how this looks like i i think this is like a compelling image Mm -hmm. uh you know the big pull part it's fun but and talking to you guys now and knowing a little bit more about just context clues about who was who in this company Booker T in this episode, yeah. I would absolutely not be like, oh, that's like their big guy. That's no. their big And their we big loved him on the last this. episode, but this week nothing. He doesn't do well, he doesn't do anything, and the stuff that he does, I don't understand why mm-hmm. he's doing it. And yeah. <laughs> it seems like it would be kind of important. So Well Vince Russo has shown a real lack of ability when it comes to booking uh booking champions. Yeah. 
uh, he's honestly the champion he booked the best this year was Dave <laughs> Marquette. Like you could have just stopped after booking. Like you didn't need to specify <laughs> champions. Good point. Good point. He seems to have trouble with just like coherence. Yes. I would say it's not his strong suit. I mean, he's very good at connecting the lines between uh, homophobia and <laughs> yeah. things like that. He can, he can bring connect, all those together. He can, he can do that. <laughs> we cut backstage to find Buff Bagwell heading to the ring with his mother. Judy Bagwell is wearing a neck brace after Canyon hit her with a Canyon cutter on Thunder. An on-screen graphic quickly reminds us that the Sixth Sense is now available on home video. (laughs) Back at ringside, Stevie Ray has rejoined the commentary team. His tenure is short-lived, though, as Jeff Jarrett runs in from the crowd and breaks a guitar over his head. Jarrett says this was a warning to Booker. Tony and Mark show a little bit of concern, but it's a busy night, so we've got to get to the ring for our first match. Chris Canyon makes his entrance, having dyed his hair blonde, and he has ditched the DDP wig. Mike Austin then comes down, but before the match can start, Buff Bagwell and his mother Judy come down to show their support for Mike Awesome. The Bagwells then join commentary. Awesome is looking good out of the gate, hitting a flying clothesline and a running splash. Canyon grabs Awesome in a swinging neckbreaker for a two, followed by a fireman's carry into a flapjack. Canyon is then sent to the floor, and Awesome hits an impressive plancha over the top rope to him. These two then set up. Mike Awesome then sets up a table uh, at ringside. Awesome attempts an awesome bomb, but Canyon low blows him and delivers a Canyon cutter through the table. Through the table, um, Buff and Judy then attack Canyon, and Judy gets hit with another Canyon cutter. Maybe she sort of gets thrown out of the way. Buff then takes Canyon into the ring and hits a Buff blockbuster. Of course, the ref misses all of this. <laughs> awesome then rolls in, goes for a pin, but Canyon kicks out. Awesome then hits a running awesome bomb. For the win. Um, This segment then ends the only way it could with a female fan throwing her plus-size bloomers in the ring at Awesome. Um, This was fucking awful. Uh, Russo is making up for lost time, uh, undoubtedly. He's he's been working overtime with the notepad while he's been gone. All right. So (laughs) let's unpack this, Brian Mann. Because in this segment we had a lot of uh, a lot of players, the least of, of of which is is not one Judy Bagwell. Like let's let's not bury the lead yeah. here. Judy damn Bagwell is is back and in a part She's of our lives. She's more titles than, than Mike Awesome has in this company at this point. <laughs> and and I think we're gonna see a problem with a lot of these matches tonight. And it's again another clue that Vince Russo is back in town. None of these matches, regardless of how good or bad they are, are given any time to be anything other than filler. Right. They're so They're not quick. given any time to They're breathe. They're so quick, and it's crazy. They also feel the need to throw on so many meaningless storylines on top of them yeah. when they yep. already have importance because they're tournament matches. Yeah. They don't have to create an artificial <laughs> importance. There's an importance built in already. Just stand back. Well, that's like the thing I was going to say is like you just read that whole thing, and I think if, if people listening aren't watching along yeah. – we need to reiterate everything we've talked about so far has happened in the first like twelve minutes of the show. Twelve minutes of the show, <laughs> like it's so and and eight of that twelve minutes was the cat talking. Right. So yeah. like all of this is happening so quickly, <laughs> and it's it's insane. I don't know who anyone is. I don't mm-hmm. know why anyone's doing anything. I do know that I love Judy Bagwell. Um, yeah, a big fan. <laughs> Very sweet lady. <laughs> Seems like a, a lovely mother. Um, <laughs> Probably don't come out to the ring if you have a neck brace because that's what's going to happen to you. Um, yeah, it's just it's just so much all at once. And then, yeah, it ending with 
the most cartoonish underwear being right. thrown into the ring that no human being has ever worn. No. This looked more like like a fucking tarp on a tent, or like this looked like the cover you would like put over a windshield if it's yeah. a hot day. Yeah. This wasn't underwear. It was yeah, no, it was like it was um like vinyl shorts yeah. with like a big flower on them. It made no sense. And like has this been an ongoing thing with Mike Awesome? Is that it he... just started last week that he is now becoming the fat chick thriller? Yes. Uh, and because he just came from he just came from ECW, he was the yeah. ECW champion like two months before this. Oh wow! And he's like the big killer. He was the career career killer. Uh, and yeah. So he went from career killer to fat chick thriller because that rhymes. And it makes what a downgrade. Those, it just it's something they started like when was it Nate? Like two weeks ago. Or, no, it was the night after the... It was a week ago. They literally started this a week ago. Yeah. And I don't know if it's like he hit on a woman at the bar, and so now they feel like they have to make this an act... I have no idea where this actually came from. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a rib on him. I don't know why they've decided to make this his character. I mean, apparently people in the... Some, you know, large ladies in the audience were, were a fan of this gimmick. I um, <laughs> was writing down a lot of good signs that I saw um, on this, and... Uh, there was one that said, um, hold on, let me find it. Well, maybe I didn't write it down. Well, it's okay. <laughs> it, said, it said something like, um, I want to be Awesome's next fat, fat chick, and Awesome was spelled wrong. And I was just like, <laughs> that rules. Like, that lady seems like she would be fun to hang out with. <laughs> like, and, and see, here's the thing, though. Like, there's a way in the hands of a better showrunner right. that you could take this crass gimmick that that is uh beneath Mike Awesome and and is demeaning to the larger women <laughs> in the audience, and you could make him like a really affirming yeah, character, totally. like the Ryan Gosling for bigger lady, like hey girl, you big and you beautiful, Mike Awesome <laughs> exactly. loves you, and, and make that his gimmick where he's giving these women positive <laughs> affirmations about their body. Yeah, instead of and, cartoon underwear getting thrown. And into that the would ring. be that would also be a baby face gimmick too. Completely, completely. But this isn't. It's like. Isn't this fucking hilarious? Oh, but also cheer this guy. Yeah. But also, he's got whack taste, right? I, I I don't see how this is all supposed to come together. I did like him. Yeah. Like, I thought he was a good performer. And I thought he he had a really good showing tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's going to have three matches. Spoiler. But I think he has a really good night. And I mean, that palancha he did over the top rope was really it good. Was cool, yeah. It's just so crazy that you put all this energy behind. Like, oh my God, look at this massive guy. He can do these crazy things. But, man... <laughs> He can't get his hat out of those bloomers that just got thrown in the ring. Especially if he went from career killer to <laughs> yes. this. Because it's, Literally in a week. It's, I mean, obviously, like, you know, as an overweight woman, I don't think uh, being into overweight women is humiliating. But right. in WCW world, going from career killer to fat chick thriller is like, you've taken everything that people, like, respect and fear about this guy and... and lost everything that made him interesting and well and... if it helps after this he's gonna be that 70s guy okay he's gonna, good he's gonna come out <laughs> bell bottoms um, oh god why <laughs> in the back pamela Paulshuk is interviewing lance storm she starts the interview as most professional broadcasters do by telling lance that he's cute uh <laughs> nate this is the cycle of abuse she gets objectified by the talent and now she's the one objectifying the talent it's it's really a, a shame to see mm. now since lance is a boring heel he shows no interest in fucking his co-worker on national tv <laughs> lance instead says he doesn't sing he doesn't dance he's here to shut up and wrestle lance then promises to rename the u.s title the canadian title so i mean i get it 
this is Vince Russo. This is how he thinks. If we want to like the if we want the audience to hate somebody, we'll say that he doesn't want to fuck the model. <laughs> That's the thing. He's boring. He doesn't fuck. Yeah. I like. I I really enjoyed this because first of all, yeah, the idea that um, not wanting to fuck your coworker makes you a heel, yeah. but also Lance Storm is also a married man and he's on <laughs> national television. But also that like. Caring about wrestling makes you a heel. Right, what a heel on this wrestling show. It's so funny. Like, um, my friend Brian, who's on a a really good podcast called Street Fight Radio, who's a big wrestling fan, he explained wrestling to me as, Mm -hmm. wrestling is always the story of a face who wants to defend the honor of wrestling and a heel who does not respect wrestling. Mm -hmm. And they fight to, to... for the dignity of wrestling. Yeah. And this completely turns it on his head. (laughs) Right. Because... We're not supposed to like him because he wants to wrestle on right. a wrestling show. It's wild to me. It's <laughs> insane. I was just happy Lance was here, man. After after what we witnessed in the last segment, this was a good palate cleanser. <laughs> Elsewhere, Buff Bagwell is with his brother, John. Uh, I guess the whole Buff Bagwell family took a road trip to Detroit this week. Buff <laughs> tells John to take Judy somewhere safe. Well, Buff, you know where it was safe? Her fucking home in Georgia. I don't know why you brought her to the yep. wrestling show. We could have provided. We yep. could have provided a fucking line about like you know Canyon has like like he doesn't trust his mom alone because Canyon's like showed up at her house or something. something like something some explanation of why she's here. But this is WCW logic. It's the transitive pro. Anything that you are related to, whether it's your car or your family, they are always attached to you, no matter where in the country you go. <laughs> Uh, elsewhere, Canyon schemes with Smooth. It's time for match number two in our tournament, Buff Bagwell versus Lance Storm. Storm grabs a mic uh, before the match and blames the crowd for turning their back on him. He then accurately points out that Canada has a lower crime rate and a higher standard of living <laughs> before telling the fans not to blame Canada but to blame themselves. He asks the crowd to stand for the Canadian National Anthem. Buff cuts this salute short by attacking Storm. We get a massive USA chant from the crowd. Storm hits some uh, really quick elbows, followed by a back body drop. Storm and Buff then trade some weak-ass chops in the corner before Buff hits a sloppy double-arm DDT. The big screen then shows uh, a security camera footage from the parking lot where Smooth is telling John Bagwell to go check on Buff in the ring. This distracts Buff long enough to get caught in the Canadian maple leaf for the tap out. The announcers definitely let us know that he didn't tap out because of the pain, but because he just wanted to get out of the match and go check on his mom. Lance Storm then advances into the semifinals as Buff limps to the back. Um, Again, another match that fucking sucked. I don't know why we needed any of this stuff. This is what Thunder's for. Just give me a straight-up match in a title tournament. Now, now, Brian, I know when you were growing up, you know, and, and you were writing in your diary, you, you probably had your little buff, your little buff Bagwell poster over your bed. I know that's your man's, but he was, yeah, he was on the buff ceiling, looked, definitely. <laughs> buff looked like an idiot on this show. Sure did. I was very upset that he came to the ring in jewelry because you should not, if you should not fight in earrings. Like that is how you get an earlobe ripped out. That's part. That's part of the gimmick, man. I was very upset about it. Not a fan. <laughs> In the cat's office, Ernest Miller is flat out offering to advance a Nitro Girl's career if she fucks him. Uh, things go from sexist to racist as Miller hears the dreaded Asian flute music <laughs> and the young dragons pounce out. The dragons beat on Miller until Stevie Ray enters and tosses the dragons around the room. 
Things go to... An, uh, <laughs> Nate, I did not see this plot twist uh, coming. Cat tells him to stop and explains that the dragons are his friends and they're just playing around, so the cat has some sort of ambush fetish. <laughs> Stevie is confused and asks for a match with Jeff Jarrett. Miller says he'll give him the match if he just lets him and his boys play. <laughs> Where is this... What sort of twist is this, Nate? <sighs> Oh, I love it. I love it because <laughs> because now because now we've got the context that this is something that Ernest Miller, you know, him him and the Nitro Girl and the Young Dragons, they've all got this little fantasy they got going on. So the racist Asian flute music is not racist. It's just part of the fetish, man. It's part of the fantasy. <laughs> it's the mood music for him. Yes. <laughs> this is the part of the show where I just wrote down Sensory overload, so much happening relentlessly. <laughs> That's my only... I, I don't know specifically what caused that, but it's just, like, so many, like, elements keep being introduced yeah. and then nothing is paying off and mm. I'm just, like, I'm getting whiplash. And I, I think this is maybe just, um, like, a stylistic thing, of a, a production decision that I'm not used to about how the crowd is mic'd or something. Yeah. But it's like, people are screaming from second one of the show and it does yes. not stop part no. of it part of it it's twofold part of it is the way the crowd is mic'd and it sounds crazy but as a new wrestling fan crowds actually used to like make noise yeah they used to be show. way more demonstrative no one has a cell phone yeah and going to a live wrestling show feels special yeah. so even the matches so like for me like i do sort of vary it sometimes because things that are dead by the standards would be considered hot now. Yeah, yeah, like a yeah. lot of these matches, um, like don't really get a reaction, but there's noise the entire time. Right. And also for a lot of these backstage segments, because it's WCW, the crowd wasn't always seeing them, so mm. they're not being quiet and watching. <laughs> but yeah, the lack of uh, the lack of cell phones, um, and, and the fact that wrestling still feels special. Like there's no WB network, you can't watch it whenever you right. want. So being at the show, actually, like there's still an air of slight reverence. I yeah, guess. yeah. No, that that makes a lot of sense. That people are are more sort of like present for it right. because they don't have all of these distractions and they're not like oh i'm gonna rewatch this later because it's you know it's airing on tv it's not mm -hmm. on demand even pre-network you know um but yeah it's I, it just adds to this sense of like sort of crazy excess that's going on that uh i i find almost almost jarring yeah and the I mean the main reason it's jarring is because it makes no fucking sense <laughs> but the crowd is also adding to that for me in the parking garage, Buff finds his mother, who has apparently been attacked by Canyon, once again. Elsewhere, Big Papa Pump sits by an entrance, waiting for Goldberg to arrive. Match number three in our title tournament, Muda vs. Vampiro. Great Muda's entrance is accompanied by clips of Muda vs. Sting and Muda Sting versus <laughs> the Steiners in Japan, the total polar fucking opposite of what this show is. How <laughs> dare you, sir? How <laughs> dare you play those clips, Chuck Palumbo? <laughs> He wasn't the only one getting special treatment during his entrance, though, because out came his opponent, Vampiro, with the demon and the insane clown posse. Yes, they are back after having left at the end of 1999 to start their own wrestling promotion, the JCW. Vampiro is even wearing Juggalo paint, and they did come out to the ICB... Um, and on the original broadcast, they did come out to the ICP track, uh, Take It. It's not here on the network, but they were coming out to, jig uh, to Juggalo music, um... The bell rings, and Muda takes out the ICP, who attempt to sell. I don't know the, what the fuck this was. They got out of the ring eventually. 
Vamp hits a spinning kick but misses a corkscrew splash. On commentary, Tony speculates that Vamp has the demon under a spell. <laughs> Muda attempts his handspring elbow but misses. Vamp gets a uranagi but Muda comes back with a dragon screw leg, uh, leg whip. Muda then hits a Huracan Rana roll-up for a two. Muda follows up with a moonsault for the win, and so he advances to the semifinals to, to take on Mike Awesome. After the match, Vampiro and ICB beat up the demon for some fucking reason. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I will say, in the ring, this match uh, wasn't awful. Uh, Muda actually looked pretty fantastic. He's only 37 here, and, and Nate, I, I, this is just... A, a prediction. I feel like you and I are going to spend a lot of time questioning the use of Muda during this run because it's not stellar. But watching this here, correct if I'm wrong, I feel like they could have easily slotted this guy in a main event uh, position. I mean, they've got this great footage of him. He still can move. He's still a legend. And a month, like him being Booker T's first title challenger, could have probably honestly done a lot more for him than what we're going to get with Jarrett. I mean, why why would you want to do that, Brian? Why would you want to utilize arguably one of the five greatest Japanese wrestlers in the history of the sport? Why would you want to utilize arguably the best import to come over from Japan? Uh, certainly in this area, the, the most famous at this time. Uh, why would you want to use him, Brian? Like, <laughs> he's, he's better off here yeah. in a match with with Vampiro when the insane clown posse, I almost said Jay and Silent Bob because that's how little I, I care about these guys. Who was it? Was it uh, Shaggy, Shaggy, Shaggy Too Dope, dope and, and uh, Violent Jay? Violent Jay. Violent Jay. <laughs> <sighs> well, you know, as, as Vince Russo would tell us, the Japanese wrestlers just can't get over in America, bro. You got to accept it. Oh, just God. can't happen. Well, you know, I hope he wasn't watching well, the, the Royal Rumble this year. <laughs> to, to, to further your point, Brian, Okay, you know, and, and, and humor me here, because Ernest Miller came out with the names on the list, right? So I'm assuming somebody created these brackets before the show. Yeah. Why wouldn't you create a bracket where maybe in the next round we get Lance Storm in the Great Muda? Nate, I have got – I when we get to this first round, I've got a rant for specifically that <laughs> that topic. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, Kath, what do you think of this match? Because uh, work work wise, I, I thought these two for you know given what fucking ninety seconds weren't bad. Yeah, that's the thing is th I'm I'm it's hard for me to sort of grade on the curve mm -hmm. as a pretty much an exclusive modern wrestling yeah. fan because wrestling is so much more athletic now. Right, and and, and these matches are so short. Mm -hmm. Um, but Great Muda was one of the people on the show that I actually had heard of and had actually had watched other matches okay. of his. So I think going into it, I was like, okay, this is probably going to be all right. And then ICP comes out. <laughs> and I, it's just, this is already like, this is already the twin uh, just empires of professional wrestling and rap metal really <laughs> synthesize perfectly in this program. And ICP coming out, it just made perfect sense to me mm -hmm. like i was like of course of course icp is here um of course they're supporting this guy in juggalo makeup uh, mm -hmm. uh who i it's hard to tell i believe he's a white man with dreads um uh vampiro vampiro he's canadian <laughs> he's, yes. okay he's canadian he's canadian but he's kind of become hispanic somehow okay uh, over yeah. the last couple years through <laughs> through uh his his tours in mexico through yeah his uh dalliance with the undead as a vampire i guess but you you mentioned icp and the thing that that's so frustrating is that literally the only because and this is just again this is just how 
facial, uh, I'll say, uh, uh, Vince Russo is, the only reason that ICP is with Vampiro is because they wear paint. Yeah. The only reason Demon is with them is because they wear paint. The only reason why, (laughs) spoiler, Mood is going to eventually join them is because he wears paint. The only reason why they are feuding (laughs) with Sting is because he wears paint. There's no, there's nothing deeper than that. Um, (laughs) This is like... Vince Russo is so racist, he's, like, developed a new form of racism where he just thinks people who wear paint are, like, their own class of people that just have their own problems. This might sound crazy, but, like, just looking up and down the show, and, Nate, actually, I want to hear uh, your idea uh, uh, to this question. Who would you have put ICP with instead? Because I think if you had kept Mike Awesome as, like, kind of, like, a sinister, sadistic guy, and these guys are just kind of in his corner and are... Sp- are talking for him that could be like an interesting triad uh that that, that Mm. i could really see being like a threatening force instead of vampiro who like it this this just felt like oh we signed a deal with icp over the weekend because there's been no hint of this this is just well they're in detroit nope so i guess because they're in detroit they're in detroit so yeah it's like icp i that that was my thought was like icp's here because it's detroit and you put him with a guy you right really like or whatever like, you want to get over in detroit but vampire is a heel <laughs> but right. so like, if you had put him with awesome being a baby face or maybe they debut because they're in the crowd maybe you do a thing like there is in the front in the front row because we fucking love wrestling we're sure. in detroit and then they get they interfere and they help awesome or something like that yeah, yeah. uh what, what how about you nate who, who who else on the show would you have put them with and you can't say judy bag well she's taken <laughs> <laughs> that's not bad because you do have kind of the the outlaw slash ECW kind of connection, connective tissue between the three of them. <laughs> uh, but in this world where you're forcing me to make IC, ICP a part of my wrestling program, uh, <laughs> I guess the oh, mm, uh, you know what I would like to see. I'd like to see ICP go up against three count. And so ICP can roll with the with the young ICP and the young dragons against three count and ten. Honestly, oh my god, Nate, I, I hate this ladder match later for a lot of reasons. Uh, <laughs> largely because they do it again at the pay per view a couple weeks later. How fucking great would it have been if just three counts out there saying they're the best fucking band in the world and they and they run down? You know, there's no one in Detroit who can hold a, a candle to us. And then ICP comes out. That's what I was going to say. That would have made total fucking sense. I was also going to say three. I wanted something with them and three count. That would have been so good. And I don't think we ever get it. Damn. Damn, that's a good idea. (sighs) Uh, How long did it take us to write that, Brian? (laughs) Listen, bro. Uh, Backstage, (laughs) Ralphus. Listen, bro. (laughs) I'm I'm imagining his pitch to ICP. Look, bro. We're going to be in Detroit where the Pistons play. I got a case of Fago. Come out and do me a solid, bro. (laughs) And, And look at this. Years later... ICP definitely uh, uh, the political side of the aisle. I'd rather be associated with than Vince Russo. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who would have thought? ICP fans are so much more welcome and loving and inviting, and a more positive online presence than Vince Russo's <laughs> fans Russo in the year 2018. <laughs> Backstage, Ralphus and Norman Smiley enter the building and are instantly beaten up by Scott Steiner. Uh, our fourth and final opening round match for the U.S. Uh, title tournament. It is. Franchise with Tori Wilson against Billy Kidman. Tori and Franchise run down Kidman, pretty much saying that he has a small dick because it's a Vince Russo promo. <laughs> Kidman uh, comes down and Franchise stomps on him. 
Tori then chokes Kidman on the middle rope. Douglas gets dropped to the floor, and Kidman hits a baseball slide. Back in the ring, Kidman hits a head scissor takedown, a drop kick, and a clothesline. Tori then trips up Kidman, allowing Billy to hit the pit, uh, or allowing Franchise to hit the Pittsburgh plunge, but Billy kicks out at two. Tori lightly hits Billy with the chair, and Franchise goes for a suplex, but Kidman reverses it into a bulldog. Franchise then hits the franchiser. The ref counts to two, then stops. <laughs> Then the performers have to tell him that franchise is going over, so then he rings the bell. <laughs> it was the perfectly sloppy finish to a perfectly sloppy match. These two just weren't on the same page. And, I mean, secondly, uh, d- these two are going to have the same match at the pay-per-view. Why are they meeting in the opening mm. round of this tournament? Um, I really, really didn't like this. And even though these two, you know, Billy is still motivated. Billy still has a lot of good years out of him. At this point, it's where Shane Douglas is checked out, and uh, yeah, they just weren't on the same page. Why would you? Why would you put Shane Douglas over in this position when you know he has to wrestle another match? Like again, the, the formatting of, of this of these brackets. I, I don't know if there was any. I was gonna say I don't know if there was any uh, forethought put into it, but I don't know if there was any forethought, thought, or afterthought <laughs> put into the creation of, of these pairings. This was basically, if you'd asked me before watching this to describe, like, what I thought this was going to be, this match is, this from entrance to Mm -hmm. finish is exactly what I would have described. It is, like, everything I thought this era of wrestling and this company of wrestling was. Tori Wilson being like, every time I was fucking you, I was thinking about fucking Shane Douglas. And, like, I'm I'm tired because we were fucking so much. I wanted to fuck a guy that looks (laughs) like he works at a fucking used car dealership in Poughkeepsie. I will say, though, that I... I really liked the, the like, one of the things I was bummed out about watching this, well, there's a couple things. First of all, like, no one's hot, which I was disappointed by. <laughs> I saw your tweet about that, and I was like, <laughs> we're going to have to bring this up, because I, I think one, who, who would you say was, was the the most attractive? I mean, Lan- Landstorm is, that, is I was thinking cute. Landstorm like, would be. he's cute, and one of the guys <laughs> in three count was cute, but he's in three count, so, like, yeah. you know, take out right? Mind. Uh, Take out was the cute one. <laughs> I, I don't know who the, which one. He, that he is. was the UFC fighter. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, that, so that bummed me out. But then the other thing is like I, I, I like I watch wrestling primarily for the theatrics, and mm-hmm. I nobody had good ring gear. Like I'm gonna talk. I love Scott Steiner's chainmail. Yeah, I love it. But like, franchise was like the only person that had like gear and an entrance, and like you can tell. Yeah, you can tell he's like past his prime and stuff. But like. I, there were so many promos on this show that sucked that like mm-hmm. his actually I was like this is an okay promo right it's they can't go too long because his promos are so one note yeah. he likes oh, has yeah. one cadence but as long as he keeps it kind of short Tori Wilson is terrible on the mic and never really got better I thought yeah um, but yeah I mean just like that it just it, it's Vince Russo so it comes down to I was thinking about fucking him while I fucked you and I faked every orgasm yeah whatever and, you know yeah it's again it's exactly what I thought but yeah. I thought and, like, I didn't think her stuff was good. But, like, I was like, okay, you, this is... You're, there's something. You're, yeah, like, there's something here for me to at least, like, mm-hmm. kind of sink my teeth into. Right. Even though, like... And then the match is a complete shit show and it's garbage. But I was like, all right, at <laughs> least finally I get some rhinestones. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I'm watching for. So, I like <sighs> I feel like a broken record because Shane Douglas is somebody like, man, I, I was... I was a huge fan of Shane in mm-hmm. ECW. And you're right. At this point of the game, man, the, he, he's extremely limited. And so it's like, I don't even know what the best use of Shane Douglas would be at this point. 
in WWE. Like, hell, maybe, and then this is crazy because we've already got a part-time wrestler at, at the broadcast booth, but maybe Shane Douglas' best use at this time would have been on the announce table. Uh, I don't know. We saw him in TNA, and uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe he could have been someone's yeah. manager. I don't know. what. I mean, he honestly, Shane would have made a really good referee, I think, at this point. <laughs> I, he's too bulky to be a referee, actually. So, Nate, I promised it earlier. Got a little bit of a rant here. So, we've got our semifinal match- matches now. It is Heel Franchise versus Heel Storm and Babyface Awesome Versus Babyface Muda. Vince Russo is so fucking bad at wrestling. <laughs> there was no reason why you... It wasn't like this was... Uh, there was, you know, like five rounds. This was three rounds. You could have easily just yeah. moved a couple matches around, given us Awesome versus Franchise and Storm versus Muda. I can guarantee both of those matches would have been better than what we fucking got. How does Vince Russo just yep. – and I get it. He would sometimes do these things because, like, that's more realistic and, like, it wouldn't always work out evenly. But we'll get to those matches. The crowd was fucking dead for Franchise and Storm, and the booking of it made absolutely zero sense. How – how? How does it get to this point that this guy <laughs> is writing this weekly TV show and he doesn't get the fucking basics? And even if you're not looking at the, the, the face-heel alignments, just from an in-ring standpoint – it makes much more sense to put Storm with Muda and then have the two heavyweight guys on the other the side. ECW connection. With, with yeah. Awesome and Shane. Yeah, they, they got that ECW connection. So, yeah, I've, I I was uh, – I came into this with, with high hopes, Brian. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like that little ant pushing down the rubber tree playing, I had high <laughs> hopes for this episode, Brian, man. But uh, they were they – were, like by this point in the episode, I'm just sitting here like, man. Yeah. Vince Russo continues to throw jabs into into my gut, and and uh, you know this this one hurt Brian man. <laughs> Backstage, three count walks to the ring with a ladder. We go to the parking lot where Goldberg arrives at the building. He takes a moment to uh, as he's entering, he takes a moment to stop and be a little friendly with the crew. Um, now, Nate, I'm assuming uh, this moment stuck in your mind uh, since it originally aired, right? I, I have not remembered this moment, Brian. All these years later. Are you Nate? Are you serious? How how could you forget Goldberg's big baby face turn? <laughs> this was it, Nate. He's a baby face again. That's all that fucking happened. Was he was nice to a crew guy and complimented his shirt, and now he's a baby face. <laughs> it really tells you a lot about what Vince Russo thinks counts as being a decent person. <laughs> really, it's like wow, he's a that guy's a saint. <laughs> That'd be a really that'd be a really great character though. Now that you mentioned it, if we had a guy that was a complete and total dick in the ring, like he's a dick heel to all the wrestlers, but he's really nice to the guys in catering. <laughs> really he's good nice to the crew. To yeah. Oh, that guy would be my favorite wrestler. I would love that. Like he's super sweet <laughs> to the makeup lady, and then <laughs> he's like, "Listen, guys, guys, they don't get paid all that well. Why would I take it out on them? That's exactly. shitty." You, you remember everybody's it. birthdays? Oh and stuff? yes. Oh, I love that. <laughs> So, yes, guys, Goldberg, uh, who turned heel at the last pay-per-view, and apparently it was the most important thing to ever happen in wrestling ever, uh, we've just dropped that. He's a babyface again, guys. Uh, I mean, the, it wasn't working, but you think they would at least do something to tell the audience. But no, yeah. Goldberg is just a babyface now. On the other side of the door, Steiner is waiting for Goldberg to enter. In the ring, Tank is running down NSYNC. He says the boy band is down the road at the Silverdome playing to an empty house because everyone is here to see three count. 
Now, I looked this up, and NSYNC was, in fact, playing the Silverdome that night, but they were playing to a sold-out crowd of 48,000 people. <laughs> Tank Abbott then introduces the best band in the world, not ICP, Three Count. Three Count comes out and sets up a ladder under their gold record, which is hanging from the ceiling. On commentary, Tony explains that Three Count will face the Young Dragons at New Blood Rising in a ladder match. Three Count begins to dance, but the Young Dragons begin to climb the ladder behind them. Three Count, three count sees this, and a brawl breaks out. The bell then rings, and the announcers are left to assume that the pay-per-view match is happening now. Um... I mean, what can we say about this match? Uh, it was extremely dangerous. It featured zero psychology. It was nonstop high spots, and the announcers totally ignored it to joke around with uh, Tank Abbott on commentary. Uh, at one point, Evan Courageous is pushed off the top of the ladder onto the floor where Tank was supposed to catch him, but Tank was out of position, so Tank landed right on his own feet. It appears as though he fucked up his ankles in doing so. In the ring, Jamie Son pulled down a uh, three-counts gold record. Um... <laughs> I, this wasn't the worst thing on the show, but I kind of have to say that I hated it more than anything else because it's very clear they're not putting these matches together ahead of time. Some guys like a Landstorm can just go out there and wing it, but four, three, I mean, six guys, a lot of bodies, not that experienced, and you're throwing them out there to have a ladder match. This was so fucking reckless. Even just, the, like, we saw Evan Courageous fuck up his ankles here because... He's falling from like 20 feet and is supposed to get caught by Tank Abbott, who also is a novice guy. This this was just, I mean, obviously 20 years later we know these guys are safe, but this was just this was just fucking reckless. And I can't believe that they would that they would ask these guys to do this. Yeah, I was super disappointed with this because we've seen these six guys have some good matches before. And I'm a huge fan of Young Dragons, particularly Kaz Ayashi, but there was no rhyme or reason to this match and there were way too many spots that were reckless for recklessness sake like i i didn't think the guys were were you know really taking care of each other out there and it's like ah, I, even though like you said i know all these years later these these dudes are fine just watching it mm-hmm. i i winced at least three or four times and the ladder spots were just they weren't crisp the ladder was wobbly i think at one point they messed up the spot and then they went right back to the same ladder spot. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, what was it? It was something that there was one point where Evan did like you know the helicopter yes. thing where you put the and but he started doing it but no one was around him so people had that to was... get up and walk yes. into it. It was it was apropos of nothing. That that was like the one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. <laughs> like I was I was like so mad at that because it was the, it was so fucking stupid. And yeah, it's after all of these like incredibly risky spots that have no payoff because there's no pacing to this match. Exactly. It's just a succession of guys jumping off a ladder and hurting themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like this is where uh, this podcast and my podcast differ because we have not spent any time talking about the fact that there was a fucking boy band gimmick yes. called Three Counts. <laughs> <laughs> like, and we love talking about Three Counts. So like, I'm we sure, can pump no, the I'm sure. I and, know. And, and you guys, like, you guys are already familiar with Three Count <laughs> as, a, as people who've been watching the show. Uh, but three three count really blew my mind. I yes. like, I, I the thing that I was trying to figure out about it. First of all, uh, I thought I was very entertained by it. Mm-hmm. It was incredibly stupid. Well, they were a lot more pushed at the beginning of the year. And, okay, and certainly more focused on. Well, that's what I was going to ask because like this is a a show where like a lot of the humor on this show seems mean. 
Yeah. It seems mean-spirited. It's, you know, like we were talking about, there's a lot of homophobia. There's a lot of sexism and racism. So it's like, when I see this, I think, is this them trying to appeal to people who like boy bands? Or is this them making fun of people who like no, boy and, bands? No, and Nate, you and I, we talked about this uh, earlier, where the announcers earlier in the year when they'd really run down three count a lot because that was kind of... Uh, you know, they come out, they do the performance, they would run them down. It made the announcers and the company seem really lame. Yeah. Because here you have the boy bands are being depicted as, uh, you know, they certainly they don't necessarily go a homophobic route, but they certainly go like a like oh these like sort of like you know these Nancy you know right. kind of like they're and, not and everyone's supposed to boom they're not masculine and, yeah. and boy bands are so annoying. But literally that night in the same town. NSYNC just sold out the Silver Dome. Yeah. There's 48,000 people, and you guys are struggling to get 4,000 people. Mm. Yeah. So maybe boy bands aren't big with your audience, but maybe also don't depict the hottest thing in the world right now as really fucking lame because it makes yourself seem uh, really boring. Because, I mean, I agree. I think maybe Three Count could have been a babyface group. Um, it's funny how earlier this year there was a, uh, a spring break tour where they kept okay. sending them to colleges. <laughs> And, and Nate, if I'm not mistaken, Three Count was like over at every college they went to. Yeah. <laughs> and the college kids, and especially the college women, and, you know, let's not, you know, make any, you know, sort of, uh, let's not consider female viewers ever uh, when putting together this this product. <laughs> but the female, uh, the females there were happy to see them. So I, I think there might have been something there pushing them as baby faces. Well, that, because that was my first sort of thought was like, oh, this is them trying to ap- appeal mm-hmm. to women. Nope. And doing it, <laughs> if that was what they were in fact doing, they were doing it incredibly condescendingly. But mm-hmm. no, so this was, they were like, the silliness there is not loving silliness. It's no. fuck this. <laughs> we hate this. Okay. Yeah. That's like, I, I was pretty sure, but like, I, I just as like sort of as a female viewer and as a modern viewer, I was like, right. this is really weird to me. <laughs> but just in the same way as, um, I, I would say in the same way that we we're talking about Mike Awesome's gimmick, there could have been a positive spin to that yeah. to get him up. Same thing could have been done here. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think like, um, th- like I, there's not like a super strong, cr- like corollary to mm-hmm. three count now, but I think of like, um, Rapongi 3K are kind of like boy band yeah. guys in New Japan, and like mm-hmm. they're over as like yep. baby faces, and it's great. And you know, I would think that the closest you could do is like if they brought in like a Cardi B esque wrestler, sure, uh, on the main roster, that would kick ass. And the announcer <laughs> just talked about how like she's so annoying, and it's like, yeah, you know, the middle aged white guys in the back, she's yeah, she is very annoying, right? But you know, what? she's thing. she's the hottest fucking thing in the world right now. So maybe don't spend the entire time talking about how much you dislike yeah. this thing. Oh, they should totally give Bailey a Cardi B gimmick. <laughs> I was gonna say I think like the closest thing to a Cardi B wrestler is maybe like Carmella, yeah. who I love. Mm-hmm. I think she's like you know, she's not a great wrestler, but like as a, that's like a good gimmick right. that is kind of Cardi B ish. I mean Sasha. I mean well, Sasha's best work was when she was a heel. Oh yeah, she's the best. Uh, I wouldn't say she's like Cardi B. She was, but I'm just saying not ter- funny like that. She's not funny like that. But I'm just in terms of a, a female uh, performer who's been allowed to have any sort of hip hop quality in any yeah, sort of way yeah, yeah um yeah what do you think nate do you think a three count uh baby face push could have worked oh yeah i, I think it, it definitely could have i think ultimately eventually they would have had to turn heel but i definitely think you could have got a pretty decent baby face run because yes mm-hmm. you've got the physical attractiveness of the three dudes that appeal to your your women in the audience uh and maybe even some of the men uh but you've also got like the 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 routines, 
I think you know when Mouse was on the show, he's like, "Yo, three count is fire," because they they <laughs> they had the routines, they had the steps. You know, the songs were catchy. I think there there was a a time period where you could have had this great, wonderful babyface run, and then maybe they get pissed off because the fans aren't loving them as as much as they think they should be loved. Yep. In the back, Goldberg finally enters the building. Uh, I guess smartly he avoided watching this match. <laughs> and Steiner attacks him. These two then brawl until the locker room empties to separate them. So, so wait a minute. Time out, Brian. So now that we have backstage babyface Goldberg, does that mm-hmm. mean Steiner is now backstage heel Steiner? Yes. Steiner, even though the crowd thinks he is a <laughs> babyface because he attacked the babyface maybe heel commissioner in his hometown uh i believe steiner is supposed i don't know i don't know what what, what any of this shit is i will say though i thought the attack looked good you know he actually like swung a pipe broke a window goldberg ducked it uh i highly doubt wcw paid to get that fixed i think they just fucking left and uh made the arena pay for that i wrote down like this is the first actual fighting i've seen that i've enjoyed right right on this whole show and, and I will say, uh, for the last two weeks, this angle has been has been well protected. These two, you know, going for each other. Uh, they, they are the two biggest, strongest guys in the company, and seeing them clash is interesting. Uh, I'm glad they gave it away for free on TV. <laughs> uh, time for our all-babyface semifinal match. It is Mike Awesome, the great Muda. Awesome starts off with a big belly-to-belly suplex. Muda rolls uh, under a clothesline, hits a dropkick, and Awesome goes to the floor. Muda then goes for the mist... But he hits Mark Madden in the face instead. But Madden is wearing his mall cop sunglasses, so none of it gets in his eyes. Back in the ring, Muda hits a nice drop kick followed by a Frankensteiner. Muda then charges Awesome, but gets a big boot instead. Awesome lands the Awesome Bomb for the win, and he advances into the finals. This was the only clean match uh, uh, in this entire tournament. Madden then runs to the back to get a new shirt. Um... This wasn't an awful match, but it really only served as a backdrop so the announcers could make more jokes about the women at ringside. They, they, they seem to show no interest in calling this match, even after the point that one of the announcers got physically involved in it. <laughs> that might have been my favorite spot of the entire night, seeing Mark Mann get <laughs> sprayed with the mist. <laughs> I do love the mist. I, really, I was excited mm-hmm. that there was mist. I was pretty pumped about that. And I, I, I don't I don't like Mark Madden, so, no. yeah. Yeah, good spot. <laughs> we have something positive to say. Probably the best match on the show, I think, uh, we're probably going to end up saying. Yeah, and, and I, I think even, like, yeah, this, this might have been the best match on the show, but even then, it only got, what, five minutes, if that? Yeah. Oh, I, I think it's pushing it. Yeah, it's pushing it to say it got five. Uh, in the back, Buff beats up Smooth until Canyon shows up and they double-team him. Elsewhere, Mark Madden goes backstage to get some wardrobe help. He then runs into Kiwi and instantly falls in love with the stereotype. Paisley interrupts Madden, but Kiwi doesn't want anything to do with either of them and has security take them both away. So uh, we're in week two of our blatant SNL ripoff. Um, <laughs> this sucked. I don't. I, I, I got no creative way of saying it. This is a just. It's 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 terrible. Like it's unfunny. And I think the thing that makes it absolutely uh, so awful is that it's a blatant ripoff of an SNL character that's happening at the exact same time. Yep. I think this is like. Again, we're ta- Vince Russo has a problem with like plotting. Yes. And in order to make comedy, you have to understand beats under- and pacing. And- literally, but like even less than beats and pacing, you have to like have a logical through line for a joke to make sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this just, I was just 
confused. Yeah. I got that it was okay. But yeah, this is around the time of Mango. Like, all right, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know what the like. It's not even. It's not even like an attempt at humor that isn't funny. It's yeah. like I do not know what this is. Well, this is also the pre. This is pre-internet. This is pre-memes, and this was a time period where the funniest guy you might know in your life was just the guy who could do an impression of a, of an SNL character. Sure, sure. This was <laughs> when the Michael Scotts of the world really uh, roamed free. <laughs> yeah. It was so I'm key. sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Someone was like, "Hey, don't you love Mango on SNL? Fuck it. Let's just do it on our television show." <laughs> I, I mean, I, I appreciate you know your your discussion on this, Brian, but I think. I speak for the audience when I ask the real question, the real weighty, gravity-filled question. Does this mean that uh, Paisley is done with the artist formerly known as Prince Ikea? She, she's not done. Uh, I believe this leads to Paisley, or this leads to the artist versus Kiwi. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I think they might still have, but eventually I do think she ends up with Kiwi, and she's done with, uh, with, with the artist. Listen, Vince Russo. Can, Vince Russo can only be interested in, in one pun for so long. He's got to find a new one. Hold on, there is a match between a SNL yes Mango ripoff and a Prince ripoff. A Prince ripoff, and they yes. have a match. And they have a match. I, I prefer a a Prince tribute. A Prince tribute. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, that sounds like something I would enjoy watching. Well, check out the next week's Nitro. <laughs> Where I believe the artist is forced to wrestle in a sweatshirt and jeans because, <gasps> uh, so he doesn't even get to do the fucking Prince game. Okay, then wow. fuck that. Yeah, no, then I'm absolutely Because Kiwi, not like, doesn't iron his pants or some shit and they have a match. <laughs> so, I mean, that is a good way to get back in pants, but anyway. <laughs> so now it's time for our heel semifinal match. Tony attempts to plug WCW Magazine, but the production crew fucks up and puts the wrong graphic on screen. <laughs> The pairing of Franchise and Storm get a light ECW chant uh, after the bell. These two brawl the outside and Tori jumps on Storm. Douglas takes advantage and attacks Storm, throwing him into the guardrails. Back in the ring, Douglas goes up top and hits a crossbody for a two. Madden gets back on co- Madden gets back on commentary and calls and calls Kiwi a quote charismatic individual. Kidman shows up on the stage with a with a bag of popcorn to watch the match. <laughs> Franchise goes for a suplex, but Storm reverses into a cradle. Lanson pokes Franchise in the eye with his thumb because we've decided that we're going to book Franchise like a babyface for some reason in this match. (laughs) He then puts Douglas into the Canadian Maple Leaf for the submission win. After the match, Kidman gets in the ring and attempts to put Tori over his knee so that he can spank her, but Lance runs in with the chair. Kidman then kicks the chair in Lance's face. Nate... How much do you miss that no interference rule we had just two weeks ago? Oh, <laughs> uh, there's. I, I don't know what's going on with this heel face Jenga Vince Russo is playing tonight. Because <laughs> when you when you remove one tile, it has an effect on the other tiles, and I, I, I I'm literally sitting here. I have to have a scorecard to keep track of who I should be cheering for and and who I should be booing at any particular moment on this program. As someone who hasn't watched this before, I was very confused at who I was supposed to like. Right. Because I didn't like anyone. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, think, I think part of the thing is, like, Vince Russo doesn't understand wrestling, but he watches movies. And he watch, he, mm. he's a big fan of movies and a big fan of TV. He's still a fucking idiot. And the thing is, <laughs> is that the thing he doesn't understand is in movies and TV, they help you uh, suspend your disbelief a lot better. But those are also a lot more rich and compelling characters. Yeah. I think if these were rich, compelling characters with... Uh, uh, feuds and storylines that we cared about we wouldn't we, we wouldn't need to be like invested them yeah. it didn't matter okay who's the straight up good guy who's the straight up bad guy right shades of gray would be okay 
And over in WWE at this time, the year 2000, they're doing a lot of that, where characters are not... You, you had that really great Angle, Kurt, uh, Kurt Angle, uh, Triple H storyline, where it's like, you know, with Stephanie maybe trying to cheat on him with... And all three of those people were heels, but it was a fascinating storyline because we cared about each of this uh, of, of the characters. Yeah, we don't care about any of these people. Yeah, well, that was something that was sort of striking to me too. Is is just the lack of any kind of exposition. Mm-hmm. It's so strange because, like, obviously, like the criticism of WWE is that there's like very little actual wrestling and a lot of sort of exposition and stuff. Mm-hmm. This show has. No exposition and almost no wrestling. Right. It's just the worst of all worlds. <laughs> it's so like I, I, I'm. It's it's interesting to hear you say that as as people who've been watching this more than just this one episode. Right. Because that yeah, I was just like I don't know who I'm supposed to like. None of these people are really giving me anything. I like I get Lance Storm and I think that's like kind of fun, but also isn't this like three years after Bret Hart did exactly the same thing? Yeah. Like. There's that, and then like. But he's doing the "Don't Blame Canada" thing because the South Park movie had come out recently. Right. So okay. That's, okay. Yeah. Like I, I can understand a little bit. Like yeah, the franchise had a promo that was like fine, uh, but I, I don't really understand who anyone is supposed to be. Right. Um, yeah. How about you, uh, Nate? Any other thoughts on the on the match? I have I have zero thoughts on this match. I, I am much like Vince Russo when they were putting it together. <laughs> yes, that, that that is true. That is true uh, because there was there was about three weeks worth of television in this one segment. Yeah, <laughs> for no reason. Backstage, Rick Steiner schemes with Medasia. Jeff Jarrett then makes his way down the aisle for his match with. Stevie Ray, and as he is, the commentators just offhandedly run down the matches on New Blood Rising. Jeff Jarrett versus Booker T for the world title, Franchise versus Kidman, a four-way for the tag titles, and Sting making his in-ring return against the Demon. What the fuck is this, Nate? This is how we're announcing Sting's big return during Jeff Jarrett's entrance? And against I, I went, the Demon. I went and checked. I went and checked the fucking thunder before this. This was the announcement of the match. This hadn't been announced beforehand. This is the announcement of the match, and he's facing the demon for some reason, who the last time we saw, he was helping the demon beat up Vampiro. You know how those uh, painted people are, Brian. (laughs) You you never talk about paint-on-paint crime. (laughs) So, uh... So Stevie Ray doesn't even wait for his entrance. He runs down and puts the boots to Jeff. This crowd is totally dead. No one gives a fuck about Stevie Ray. (laughs) These two just brawl around the ring. Jarrett gets the advantage, and these two then head back inside. Double J then hits Stevie with a fist from the top rope, but he gets then caught with a Stevie Ray spine buster. Rick Steiner and Medasia then run down. Now, most people would probably have Medasia distract the ref so Rick Steiner could attack Stevie Ray. Well, Vince Russo is not most people, everybody. Instead... (laughs) Rick distracts the ref while Medasia goes to the top and throws her body at Stevie. I'm not even going to be generous enough to call this thing a move. She just lands <laughs> on the dude. He doesn't even take a bump. He's just momentarily distracted. Double J then hits the stroke for the win. Booker T then runs down to chase off the heels. This was fucking awful. Um, I just can't help but think how much better Harlem Heat versus the Steiners would have been. Like... That feels like a big deal match, more so than than, than whatever this was. Yeah. 
particularly when we've already seen in, in this episode that they have the the ability to show us archived footage. You know, we saw the, the package leading up to Muda showing uh, his match with Sting and whatnot. Yeah. You could have spent the night educating the audience or re-educating the audience about the greatness of the Steiner brothers or the greatness of Harlem Heat. And then that way, by the time we get to the match, you're ready for it. But no, we had to do this right here. And I guess the only silver lining, the only sliver of positivity here, Brian, man, is that uh, Vince Russo let a lady do a move. So that's progress, (laughs) right? Yeah, yeah, it is. They let her try to do something that was maybe a move. (laughs) But hey, yeah, that's that's progress on this show. So I'm, I'm just curious. I'm just checking right now. I want to see how long before this match it had been that uh, Harlem Heat had tagged together. Mm. Uh, yeah, it had been about nine months since these two okay. had tagged together. So that would have been a big deal. And I think for the Steiners, it's actually been even longer uh, that yeah, they've been together. crazy that they didn't do yeah. that. <laughs> I, uh, Nate, we were saying, too, about like we they could have had archival footage and stuff to build this up. It, it just occurred to me when you were saying that that like there's... We talked about how good the promo package was at the beginning mm-hmm. of the show. There's been none of that. No, like, not since then. No. Just the the Muda thing was it. Mm-hmm. Like that, yeah. and I don't know. It's it's just interesting again when you're talking about the pacing of the show and how the pacing this the pacing of the show feels so off. I feel like that is a big part of why. Yeah. Be, and because like you're not having people do in ring promos, you're not doing packages. You're sometimes throwing to film stuff, but it's people beating each other up yeah. like it's i don't know it's just a very uh it, it had my head spinning the whole time <laughs> backstage scott steiner tears up his locker room while goldberg is shown stretching it is now time for the finals of our u.s title tournament uh we are getting mike awesome versus lance storm storm comes out first and offers the fans one more chance to stand for the canadian national anthem awesome though interrupts and demands they turn that shit off the bell rings and these two brawl in the aisle. These two get in the ring and work over each other with a steel chair. Again, no worry for a DQ here. A USA chant breaks out as Storm chops Awesome. Awesome then hits a sit-out powerbomb and a clothesline but only gets a two count. Tony reminds us the stakes of this match that... <laughs> Tony reminds us the stakes of this match. Lance Storm is fighting for the pride of his country while Awesome is fighting for the ample ladies at ringside. <laughs> his words, not mine. Awesome goes for a frog splash but Storm gets the knees up. Storm blocks a top rope awesome bomb attempt and gets a suplex for a two. Storm then jumps off the rope but gets caught with a belly-to-belly. Awesome sets up for an awesome bomb, but Storm rolls through and hooks on the Canadian Maple Leaf for the second submission victory of the night to win the U.S. title. Um, I thought this was a very good match. Uh, wasn't quite the barn burner the announcers tr- the announcer tried to act like this is the best fucking match they've seen in years. This is the dawning of a new era. It was just okay for a TV match. But rather than stay with Storm and celebrate his victory, the new champ quickly rolls out of the ring so that Mike Awesome, so that the Mike Awesome fan club can get the spotlight. Awesome's two female admirers slip in the ring and help Awesome get to the back as he is all smiles. Doesn't give a fuck that he lost this tournament after he had wrestled three matches. He's got these two ladies under his arms. Um, yeah, this was really bad. And I thought that if you're not going to let the, t- the tournament main event the show... Yeah. Let this go for three weeks and have the finals at the pay-per-view. Yeah. Don't cram it all into one night because we got ten matches on this show so that we could fit all of this in here. 
breathe. Let it last a little bit. Do the finals at the pay-per-view. Really tell a story uh, to get us there. Because, uh, spoiler, Mike Austin versus Lance Storm is going to be the match of the pay-per-view anyway for the U.S. title. So just wait. Just wait and allow these matches to have their time. Yeah, that's so silly that that ended up just being what was on the pay-per-view. Right. They're giving so much away. It's so funny because we're like, you know, it's like what they say. Well, they like, give shit away, but they don't have an idea for the pay-per-view. So they just do it again. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's like the whole thing of like, oh, the food's bad in such small portions. It's like, mm-hmm. they're giving so much away for free, but also it's all <laughs> shitty. <laughs> but it's true. They're giving so much away for free. Um, yeah. I mean, this was like, this match was fine. This mm-hmm. was like regular ass wrestling, you yeah. know? But uh, now I'm just dreaming of babyface uh, lover of big, beautiful women, Mike Awesome. How, how like, yes. funny that would be. Like, I would really, obviously, like, I don't know, again, as an overweight woman, I don't know if I would trust any major wrestling company to, to do, do that, that properly. well. But if it was done well, it could be very funny yeah. and, uh, and very cool. So, yeah, just, and then that is clearly not what we were getting with this, unfortunately. Not going there. <laughs> See now, now I'm inspired. I'm, I, Brian, if, if we can, I know we got a lot of a lot of listeners out there, man, that love the satellite of hate. If we can get them all to just chip in one dollar, <laughs> and, and you and I can start a company, call it Regular Ass Wrestling, <laughs> and our top baby face will be a body positive superstar <laughs> that loves big women, skinny women. Tall women, short women, all women. And then that'll be his gimmick. He, he doesn't care about titles. He just cares about making women feel good about what they see in the mirror. I love this idea. I would definitely uh, contribute to this. Regular ass wrestling. You would definitely get sued by WWE for calling it Raw. But one dollar at a time. In the back, the cat enters Booker T's locker room. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, the cat's wearing fucking overalls. Yes. Without a shirt. And I'm pretty sure when he comes out at the end of the show, he's not wearing overalls at that point. So this was a one cutaway deal. That was, well, the, in, in my head canon, there's a couple things here. Number one, why does Booker T have a locker room if he's not wrestling? He's, I mean, he is the champ. <laughs> I'll give him that. It's uh, better than a couple weeks ago when David Flair had purpose. his own locker room. and it, He didn't show up on the show. True. Uh, but then the other thing is, in my head canon, this is the continuation <laughs> from Ernest Miller's uh, little... Uh, fantasy earlier you know he's had the, he had his fun with the young dragons and and the nitro girl now he's walking around and living out his fantasy as a uh, sharecropper he's farmer <laughs> Ernest Miller. in the arena the cat comes out uh to the cat in the arena the cat comes out to ref the main event booker t then comes out and joins commentary main event time goldberg versus scott steiner Steiner is out first with Nadeja. Then Goldberg enters. No trace of Solberg. The announcers make no mention that Goldberg was a heel. He's just babyface Bill, and he always has been. <laughs> Massive Goldberg chant from the crowd. Scott hits a Steiner line and sends Goldberg to the mat. Steiner comes back with a forearm to the back and a suplex. Goldberg goes for a spear, but Steiner dodges. Steiner locks on the Steiner recliner, despite Cat telling him that the move is banned. Steiner then breaks the hold and attacks Cat. Booker T then runs in and confronts Steiner. Goldberg rushes in from behind, and Booker leaps frog so that Goldberg can hit Steiner with the spear. Booker then hits a Harlem sidekick. Goldberg then hits a Harlem sidekick on Goldberg, so I guess Booker still thinks that uh, Bill's a heel. The Wolfpack music then hits, and out comes Kevin Nash, always a professional, drinking a beer. <laughs> Nash powerbombs Steiner and Goldberg, and Tony exclaims, We haven't seen him since Bash at the Beach. In case you forgot, that was eight days ago. 
Nash leaves the ring, <laughs> and the show ends with Booker standing alone in the ring. Um, I mean, I guess the good thing is they didn't give away a finish for Goldberg versus Steiner, but for fuck's sake, if this is what you're... This is the thing that's so mind-blowing to me, is that Vince Russo, a guy who hates matches and hates <laughs> wrestling, books wrestling matches when he should have just booked an angle. Like, this could have been a promo. This could have been something midway through the show where, you know... Steiner calls out Goldberg or something like that. Maybe you just do the brawl in the back. We didn't also have to do a match on top of this. I get that he wanted to promote that throughout the show, but promote a face-to-face or something like that. This was... Why even call this a match? Why ring a bell? Why have Kevin Nash... Maybe just promote, hey, Kevin Nash is going to speak tonight. We haven't seen him since last week. Mm. What's he going to say? Yeah, it just... This dumb bullshit where he feels like he has to have a match and then he completely shits all over it the whole time. I'm glad you brought up the point that Vince Russo is somebody who is not keen on matches. Because <laughs> we had 10 of them on this damn show, Brian, man. And I would I would wager that but, but that's, I'd, I'd set the over-under at two of the amount of good matches we had this week. Yeah, uh, two of Lance Storm's matches weren't bad, uh, and, then, and one had Buff Bagwell. But besides that, I mean, there was 10 matches because every single segment on this show was a match. First segment, Cat spoke. But other than that, it was match, 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 yeah. match. Like, you didn't have to have the latter match. You didn't have to have this match. Nope. There were segments that could have just been talking, and it would have been perfectly fine. Well, that's what's so funny is, like, this show had so many matches on it, and yet it is completely credible for you to be like, well, Vince Russo clearly hates matches. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, as someone who this is the only thing I've watched, like, yeah, he clearly hates wrestling because mm-hmm. he made us watch so much bad wrestling. <laughs> like, and if I had to guess, I mean, I, I could look it up, but if I had to guess, the, the, the Raw of this night probably only had maybe six or seven, and those matches probably were no longer than this. Yeah. Uh, this was just kind of the standard for the time. But, again... Goldberg, Scott Steiner didn't need to be a match. Fucking Stevie and Def Jarrett certainly didn't need to be booked ever. Uh, the three count challenge didn't need to be a match. There's all these things that just let the guys talk. Just let the guys explain their feuds to each other. Yeah. You don't need to ring a bell and you don't need to, you know, go through all the rigmarole to then deliver no finish. Well, it's, I'm wondering, like, are any of these people, like, good promos? Like... Scott Steiner? Scott Steiner does a good Scott one. Steiner should be allowed to talk. I was yeah. definitely, like, as someone who has not really watched anything. I know, you know, I know the image, like, yeah. even from when I was a kid, like, I know, but, like, I, I'm very intrigued by him. I think, like I said, I love the chain mail. I like mm-hmm. the look. Like, it's so, it's such a striking, like, yeah. theatrical presentation um, that, like, I just thought he was really fun. Um, but, yeah, I just, I was just wondering, because, like, most of the, the t- that's the thing, most of the wrestling on this was bad, and most of the talking on this was bad. <laughs> like, yeah. just, it was bad. It was bad. <laughs> well, it's like, and the thing that's so crazy with Vince, I see, like, Vince Russo starts with a bad idea. And then rather than going back to square one and be like, okay, let's actually start with a better idea. He just adds more worse ideas, and more mm. worse ideas, and more worse ideas. It would almost be, uh, Nate, in a way, to, to share, uh, to, to, to take your microwave cake uh, uh, analogy from the beginning. Mm. It'd be like if you had a shitty cake and then you try to cover up with uh, some icing. Oh shit, but I don't have any icing. I, I, I got this mustard though. Oh shit, this mustard tastes terrible on this cake. <laughs> oh well, I got some barbecue sauce. Let's put, ah oh, fuck, that barbecue sauce made it even worse. Okay, I got some pickle juice. Oh fuck, <laughs> this pickle juice is even worse. <laughs> and it's like, well actually maybe if instead of uh, not cooking a shitty cake in the beginning that looked bad, we'd actually just made a good cake to begin with that we didn't have to cover up. Uh, uh, we would be in just a better spot if we had started from that uh, from that step. 
it's it's and, and I don't want to get too deep in the weeds of trying to psychoanalyze uh, one Vince Russo because that's that's a scary place that's to live. That's a whole other podcast. Uh, <laughs> and probably something that think, should be a, a professional pursuit for somebody that he should yes. pay. But I, I think that you've got somebody who obviously has a high opinion of their own work. Mm. And I don't know if, you know, the, the kind of like you said, the conventional wisdom is he was better with the filter. I don't know if he needed a filter so much as somebody to check him and just be like, that's stupid. Like, let's not try to refine this bad mm. idea. Let's try to come up with something different. Mm. Uh, because this this is a talented roster, man. Like uh, they're they're all not the greatest talkers or the greatest wrestlers, but with the people that you've got, you can put together a hell of a show. Yeah. Booker T, Scott Steiner, uh, Kevin Nash, for whatever he's worth at this time in 2000. The Great Muda, like you you flew the Great Muda in for for what yeah. really? I mean, we came up with uh, better Storm. ideas just talking for right. an well, hour. And yes. the limitations of this company and of this roster are not the roster's limitations. It's Vince Russo's limitations. Yeah. He has one idea of what he thinks the show should be, and if they can't perform it, then it's their problem. It's not his mm. fault that he doesn't know how to properly use them or how to properly accentuate their strengths. It's their fault for not being able to do the dumb shit that he wants them to do. It's not his fault that he couldn't book Tank Abbott to get over as a legitimate fighter, but I do want a guy to dance silly, so I'm going to have you dance silly. <laughs> Uh, it's not I will the say Tank, fault. Tank Abbott was very committed to that silly dancing, and I respect it. I'll say he was entertaining. He was certainly entertaining. But yes. that's the thing. When Vince Russo talks about this time period, he always goes to Tank Abbott. Yeah. That like is what he wanted as... all of these performers to be. Yeah. He oh, wanted all of them to be that. He yeah. wanted all of them to be some dumb, stupid fuck. Because Vince Russo's favorite wrestler is Chief J. Strongbow, which, you know what? Cool. He was a fine, but he was a, he was a fucking forgettable guy who would do, you know, bullshit comedy at the yeah. garden, you know. Um, I don't know why I had to go in on Chief J. Strombo like that. <laughs> well, I'm saying he's throwing a lot of shade on the chief. What, what did he do to I'm you, Brian? Man, throw shade on on Russo, but that's the thing. He 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 will punish the performers because he doesn't know how to properly utilize their skills. Yeah, it, it's interesting that you say that too, because like again, as a comedian, mm-hmm. I get frustrated a lot of the time with comedic elements in wrestling because they're not done well because they're not good comedy Mm. and it's so it's such a bummer because like it can be done well and there Mm. are wrestlers who do it well and there are promotions who do it well but like most of the big ones really fucking with it like they really don't do a good job and uh yeah there's so much of that that like again it's so badly written and produced that it does not even scan as humor no not at all it's yeah so that's interesting to know that his favorite wrestler was like a comedic mm-hmm. a more comedic person and it's like you i guess you got the vibe but you missed everything that actually makes something humorous it makes it click yeah <laughs> um so it sounds like everyone here was pretty down on this episode <laughs> uh i'm gonna go on a, on, a, on a limb and say that but but this <laughs> is the time of the show where we have to pick one thing completely unvarnished that was our silver lining something that we no qualifiers enjoyed uh so kath you're our guest we'll let you go first what was your silver lining for this episode um i think it was unfortunately the very first thing in the show i liked that Mm -hmm. recap package (laughs) uh i thought again because i like because i was like oh like scott snyder like i know who that is and i i think he's like a funny like person like just like he looks funny and he i like him sort of doing again as a modern wrestling fan like doing the sort of braun Strowman thing of like you know 
tearing up the the backstage and everything. Uh, I enjoyed that. And then mm-hmm. uh, then two more hours of the show happened. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, Brian, I think my silver lining, my my one brief shining moment of uh, mm-hmm. of hope in this episode uh, would have to be yep. Lance Storm mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I don't know if it was I don't know if it was Vince Russo's intention, but they actually made him look strong, and by putting the U.S. title on him, this leads to something better down the road for Lance Storm. So you know he had three okay TV matches, uh, and he you know he, they were getting that uh, Canadian Maple Leaf. Submission over, so yeah, that, that'd be my silver lining, Lance Storm. Yeah, and I, 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 I kind of to, to to piggyback off that. The thing that I like about Lance Storm is that he's a guy who takes the craft very seriously, and mm-hmm. at no point in his career, at any point, no matter in any promotion, any age, could you ever say this guy phoned it in? Mm-hmm. Even to today, he still takes the stuff yeah. very seriously. And unlike a lot of the guys on the show and on the roster at this time, he took things seriously, but he also spoke up. Uh, if you look at everything he did on the show, it all made sense. It all made sense mm. for his character. And I'm sure there, there. I mean, he'll tell stories about, like, he'd be asked to do certain things. He'd be like, nah, what, what about this instead? And so I could certainly see him being there as like, well, what if instead of doing this spot, we do this instead? And so he's a guy that can speak up and can do that versus, like, a guy like a Billy Kidman, for example. I don't think he necessarily has... He's, he's not speaking up. And I think he's also kind of... And a lot of these guys have just sort of given up. They've just yeah. like, it is what it is. I'll show up. I'll do my job. Whatever. I'm getting paid. Yeah. Uh, Lance is so serious and so new that uh, he's speaking up. And I think his character was really being protected. Um, but I also got to give a, a silver... Uh, uh, sorry. I also got to give an honorable mention to Muda as well. I think uh, this is the last time mm. we're going to be able to say positive things about Muda. So I'm going to say him <laughs> uh, while I can. What are you saying? Oh, I was just going to say, Lance Storm is really the only... Uh, character who I felt was well-defined within this two-hour block of television. Like, I understood his motivations. Mm -hmm. Um, I understood, yeah, again, they're really trying to get the Canadian Maple Leaf finisher over. I knew that, I knew what that move was by the end of the two hours. Like, he definitely did his job. And, like, again, these other guys don't have a lot to work with, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was he was the one standout of like, okay, I know what this guy is about now. There's internal logic to everything that he did. It, it all seemed consistent. I just, um, it would have been great if this tournament could have taken place over a couple weeks. Yeah. And we could have seen that progression, that story. See him cut a promo every week. Really get to, maybe Mike Austin can say he wants to win this title as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, he his 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 uh, eyes were set on a different prize <laughs> for the evening. Uh, Kath, gotta thank you for coming by. Um Got to apologize for making you watch the show. Uh, it gave us a lot to, to, to think about. Uh, that's the thing about these nitros. They don't leave your mind uh, easily or quickly. I would go so far as to say I will be haunted by this. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you for having me. This was really fun. Of course. And and, and where can people find you uh, uh, on the internet if they, if they want more of you in their life? Yeah, I'm, uh, I got all my stuff at kathbarbadoro.com. K-A-T-H-B-A-R-B-A-D. O-R-O, and uh, that's my Twitter handle, my Instagram handle, my Facebook page, all that stuff. I have three podcasts because I'm a crazy person, so if you want three <laughs> hours of content of me a week, uh, I do What a Time to Be Alive with a previous guest of the show, Patty Mo. Um, that is uh, every Tuesday. I have a podcast called Lie, Cheat, and Steal, which is about um, like frauds and cons and thieves and stuff like that. Uh, that comes out on Wednesdays. And uh, then I have Wrestlesplania, uh, which is the reason I'm here with Rachel Millman. 
and uh, that comes out on Thursdays. So check all of those out. Um, what a time to be cool. alive as a Patreon now. I'm a stand-up, so I do live shows everywhere. Um, yeah, look me up. Follow me on all the stuff. And, and I personally, I, I certainly have to uh, uh, want to make sure I endorse it because it's, it's it's a really Thank good show you. and I it's extremely it. funny and um, and and it, it is it's unique. Uh, it, it it's clever and it's smart. It's smart jokes about wrestling. Probably smarter than just this show where Nate and I just get angry. If any uh, listeners <laughs> out there are trying to explain wrestling to like a cautiously interested person, I will recommend our podcast as a good way to do that. Well, uh, uh, thank you once again uh, for coming on the show, and uh, thank you to the listener for completing another experiment with us. <laughs> if you haven't already, please rate and subscribe the show on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you have feedback, you can send it over to keepit2000pod at gmail.com. If you want more of me, I am Brian Maxman, all over the internet. And Nate, um, as always, going to toss it to you. We'll end... Uh, uh, <clears throat> Nate, as always... Going to pass it over to you. Give the people the good word to hold them over until our next trial. Yeah, so I want to thank everybody once again for checking out the show this week. Uh, shout out to all the postmarks out there. If you want more from me, you can find me on Twitter at in the number 8, M-O-Z-A-I-K, at Nate Mosaic on Twitter. Uh, also, Brian and I are going to be brainstorming because uh, we got to get this regular-ass wrestling <laughs> off the ground uh, with our world champion body positive Buff Bagwell. I think we can make it happen. Uh, it's going to be big. <laughs> uh, and uh, again, I want to uh, send a shout out to uh, Sister Kath for coming through and uh, enduring <laughs> this experiment with us on the satellite this week. Uh, but as we do every week, I like to send you off with some meaningful words that, that, that might be applicable to your life. And uh, since Brian mentioned that great song, Hero, uh, <laughs> featuring uh, <laughs> Chad Kroger and Josie Scott, you know, it's not Creed, but it's. It's like Nickelback and something else, which is, it's, it's a microwave game. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take their words and apply it to what we watched this week. Someone told me Vince would come save us. But how could that be? Look what Vince gave us. A show full of killing and blood spilling. The ratings never came. But they say that a Russo could save us. I'm not going to stand here and wait. I'll hold on to the wings of my memories and watch as they all fly away.